0: Over 2,000 years ago, in a place called Caesarea Philippi, about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus took his disciples and he said to them, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And since that time, Jesus has been building his church. The glorious, wonderful thing that we realize today is that by his grace, he uses us as he builds his church. We enter into that community, which is the church, and then he pushes us out into the world to continue to build for his glory. And one of the exciting things that's happening is Jesus is building his church in London, and you guys are a part of it. And today we're going to join in building by praying, but let's start by watching this video. Well, it was uh, over a year ago when we first showed that video and Mark and Lizzie went to London and it says Reality London coming soon. It's very soon. They're having their first services one week from today on August 23rd. That church is starting. <laughs> We're incredibly privileged to be partnered with Jesus in this. And he allows us by grace and for his glory to be a part of it. As reality, it's our first international church plant and um, we have a team of 100 people going over there this afternoon. They're leaving. About 50 people from Reality LA and 50 people from Reality Carp are going to go over there for about 10 days to minister in the city of London. What they're going to be doing is what we call a prayer tour, a prayer tour. We started doing these prayer tours in the city of San Francisco in anticipation of our church plant there. What we do is we take a group of people that are mighty in prayer, willing in prayer, on mission with Jesus, and we take them to the city. And we map out the city, various different areas and strategic spots, and we send them in little subgroups to those areas to pray. And then we rotate them throughout the week, throughout the city. So they get to see kind of the whole city. They get to pray in the different areas. They're praying in affluent areas. They're praying in impoverished areas. They're praying in the business district all over. And then what we do is we gather in the evenings in various different churches throughout the city and we have teachings. We talk about God's heart for the city. What the city means biblically and historically speaking. What the city means with regards to the future and the kingdom of God. What God has done historically and redemptively in cities. We talk about that. We talk about uh, what Christ is currently doing in cities in our culture. We talk about what it means that Jesus will build the church. What it means to be the church on mission in urban areas for Christ's glory. And then that kind of fuels our fire and we're sent back out on the streets to... Pray. As we're praying, we have opportunities to witness to people about Jesus Christ. And then we're inviting people to the first church service. So all week long, we'll be on the streets praying, loving people, inviting people to that first church service. And then one week from today... We'll see the launch of that. And I want you guys to be following that. You can go to our website, realitycarp.com. And through there, you can link to Reality London's website. And then also, there'll be a prayer tour blog. So we'll be blogging as we're praying through the city and updating with photos and insights, so on and so forth, so you could follow us and join with us in prayer as we're doing so. But today, we're going to join in by praying. You've come to church today, and you're going to pray at church today. And and here's what's weird about us, isn't it? And this is really weird. In fact, it's so wrong about us. That sometimes when we come to church and we find out we're going to actually pray in church, we're like, oh, okay, yeah, praise the Lord. But there, there's something in some of us, isn't there, that's kind of like, wow, do I have to touch the person next to me? I mean, what, what does this mean? This is, this is going to be uncomfortable. We're like that. At least I'm like that. Not all of you. You guys are far more spiritual than me, but I'm like that oftentimes. I'm like, can't we just hear the sermon and not really engage and not touch the person next to us and then leave? No, we're going to pray today. We're going to labor. We're going to go to work today. Some of you are non-Christians and we're so glad you're here and you're visiting and you're visiting because you're wondering, what's this church thing all about? What's this Jesus thing all about? And today's going to be really uncomfortable for you. You were already uncomfortable when you came in. It's just the way it is. You know, when you visit a church, you're uncomfortable. I understand that. Um, But this is going to be really uncomfortable for you. But I want to remind you visitors and you seekers that you came here because you're interested in spiritual things. That's why you came and you realize that there's a a spiritual hunger in you and there's a spiritual dynamic that you feel like is not quite right in your life. That's why you've come here today. And so what's going to happen here today is incredibly spiritual. So don't be, you know, overly uncomfortable or bummed out. Just trip out. It's a real spiritual thing that's going to happen here today as we talk to Jesus, commune with Jesus, and see things, realities, culture, city, people, places, change through prayer. So there's nothing more spiritual that the church can do than pray. So you've actually come on the right day. Just watch and participate and trip out. Now, here's what we believe about prayer. We believe that prayer changes things. Amen? That's what we believe. Listen, you cannot read the Bible and go away not believing that prayer changes things. You simply cannot because what we see is that anytime prayer is exemplified in Scripture or anytime prayer is spoken of, it's in the context of things changing. Prayer changes things, not prayer in and of itself, But because we pray to a God who listens, who is present, and who is powerful, who is able to change things. And in his sovereignty, in his mystery, and in his kindness, he's chosen to respond to our prayers. And so what we see in Scripture is that prayer really does change things. I mean, in Exodus chapter 32, the nation of Israel is in trouble because Moses was up on Mount Sinai. The nation of Israel made for themselves his golden calf and started to worship it and say, Behold, our God that brought us up out of Egypt. Just the dumbest thing in the world. And God says to Mo, Mo, get down the mountain because your people, I'm going to kill them. And God would have been totally justified and righteous. In his indignation and in his wrath. But Moses, just one man, said, Lord, I ask that you would have mercy on him. And God said, okay. And God had mercy on him. And that day, a whole nation was spared because one man asked for mercy. You see, God is a righteous God. God. He is a righteous judge and he does have wrath, but he is more merciful than I think we even dare to imagine. And sometimes we just need to ask for mercy on behalf of others. Contrast Exodus 32 and that vignette with Ezekiel 22, where once again, Israel is in trouble. God is going to judge them, but he's willing to extend mercy. And so he says, I look to and fro for a man who would stand in the gap and plead the cause. He was looking for one man who cared about others enough to pray to him and ask him to have mercy on them, and a man wasn't found. And so God, in his righteousness, judged them that day. Prayer changes things. In his sovereignty, and his mystery, and his kindness, God has chosen to respond to our prayers, and they change people, places, nations, cities, and situations. Now, here's what we do with that. Because we discover in Scripture that prayer changes things, we discover then that we have a responsibility as God's people to pray. Okay, I want to press that upon you. We have a responsibility then as God's people to pray. If you are walking down the streets of London, and you heard a young lady screaming from the back of a dark alley, the moment you were alerted to the fact that she was in trouble, and that you could do something about it because of your proximity to the problem, you would now have a responsibility. And you would be incredibly morally bankrupt and a coward if you ignored the yells of the young lady and you kept walking. We cannot be morally bankrupt or cowardice Christians. We've got to hear the cries of the people in the city of London and respond by praying. Because we can do something in prayer. Because it changes things, we have a moral responsibility to pray. But beyond just a responsibility component, we have the privilege to pray. Because it is a privilege to join with Jesus. Jesus and what he wants to do in the lives of people. That he wants to show mercy on that great city that was once a great Christian city, that was once the greatest missionary pump the world knew at the time out to the nations. He wants to have mercy on that city once again. And he's invited you. He's invited us into his heart to send us into the world through prayer today to be agents of change for God's glory. Prayer changes things. So there's a responsibility. But there's a wonderful privilege that comes with it. I want to encourage us as we get ready to pray in small groups in just a moment. I want to encourage us in our prayers by sharing with you a vision that I had when I was in London last. I was there a couple months ago and I was meeting with Mark and Lizzie, the cute couple that you saw in the video, our church planners over there. Uh, pastor Tim Chaddick from reality LA and I were over there and we were spending time with them and just loving on them and ministering to them and with them and praying through the city and meeting different leaders and pastors and visiting different churches and stuff. And during one of our prayer meetings in, uh, Notting Hill, which is where the church is going to be, the Notting Hill part of England, in case you've ever seen the movie. Uh, we were in this apartment, and this apartment was older than America, literally. Uh, we were sitting in, things in London are older than America. We were sitting in London, we were praying in this apartment, and I had this vision. I don't get visions often, but from time to time, God will give me a vision. I don't know if my eyes were open or my eyes were closed. It was like a trance, like uh, Peter on the rooftop in the book of Acts. I don't know if my eyes were open or closed, but I saw this vision. And what I saw was this river and, and I, God gave me the perspective from being in the river I, I wasn't part of the picture I was an observer I wasn't wet or getting wet but I had the perspective as though I were submerged in this river and this river was just rushing in this direction toward me and past me and, and you could tell that it was a powerful river because of the turbulence of the water and the bubbles and, and the way that the current was happening and it was as broad as, as I could see and it was as deep as I could see and it was sweet. Swift and powerful and moving right past me in this direction. And as I was watching this, I, I saw the bed of the river form. And it formed with these these bright little silver colored things that looked like cobblestones, kind of like the streets in London. These cobblestones like this that were all nicely fitted together, but they looked like little shields. But they were strong and they were orderly and they were fit together perfectly and they formed the bed of this river. And the water was rushing past over these things. And I was just seeing this. I couldn't see anything else. I don't know if I was awake or i i don't know i just saw this thing and as i was watching i saw in the distance this black shadow start to come down the river and I, I couldn't tell if it was a really fat sort of eel or a really long fish thing but it was dark and it was menacing and i knew instantly by the spirit of god that it represented evil real evil and it was coming with the flow of that river it was coming downstream, but it was active and it was swimming as though it were hunting and it was looking around on the bottom and it was jotting back and forth. And what began to happen was as the river moved, there were these little openings in those cobblestone shield like things on the riverbed. The, these little openings would open up and one would get displaced and there'd be this little crack and this fish thing would immediately go to that opening and start to burrow its way down in there. And I knew by the Spirit of God that what that fish thing wanted to do was plant its eggs in that opening. Because I'm a fisherman, I know that fish do that in a river. They'll look for a little sandy break, and that's where they'll, they'll plant their eggs. And I knew that this, this evil wanted to plant its eggs, its work, down in these cracks. And I, I saw this, and it alarmed my spirit. And I asked the Lord, Lord, what what is this? What, what What's going on? And he told me that the river... Was his river moving afresh through the city of London? That it was the river of God and it was the power of God and it was a presence of God and that it was beginning to move in that city once again and that it was unstoppable, it was going, it was moving ahead. And he, he told me that the, the cobblestones on the bottom that formed the bedrock were the prayers of the saints, that they were prayer shields. They were prayers that had been offered up for maybe hundreds of years and around the world and currently at this moment. And the river of God was flowing afresh in that city over the prayers of the saints. And and that the gaps that were opening up were were areas where the saints were were just neglecting prayer. Where where they were just letting prayer go and, and the enemy was looking for a foothold there. He was caught up in the flow of God. He was being routed, but he was being active still. And he was looking for those breaches in the walls, those breaks, so to speak. And he was wanting to get in there and do his work. And the Lord took me immediately by memory to uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, where Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls of of Jerusalem with others after having been exiled. And there's some enemies coming against the work. And it says, now in Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed. The breaches began to be closed. They were very angry. Okay, that's the enemy. All of them conspired together and came to fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. Look it. But we prayed to our God. And because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. There was a work of God that was happening. There was a rebuilding. There was a fresh thing happening. And the enemy was so upset, he was coming against it. And what did the people of God do? But we prayed to our God and set up a guard. And God is calling us to set up a guard through prayer. He's on the move, he's on the mission, he's accomplishing it. But he's calling us into partnership and to set up a guard in prayer today. So that's what we're going to do as a church. Believing that prayer changes things. That we have the responsibility and the privilege to do so. We're going to pray in three basic ways. First for the city, people, and churches of London. That'll be the first way. And then we're going to pray for our prayer tour team that's going over there, the hundred or so that'll be on the ground doing ministry. And then we're going to pray lastly for Reality London. So I'll kind of spur us on for each one. The first one is this. As I said, the city, the people, and the churches of London. As we're praying for London, we need to realize that it's a post-Christian city. In a post-Christian nation. Meaning, though England was once a Christian nation, The decline of Christianity has taken place. It's not taking place. It has taken place. Only about 4% of people in Western Europe attend churches, as opposed to about 40% in America. Christianity has declined there. It's a post-Christian nation, meaning that the generations that are now existing there, the latest couple of generations, no longer have language or assumptions rooted in, in Christian thinking. The society is void of Christian thinking. So, so they don't perceive the world from a Christian or biblical worldview. They don't think about humanity. Sin. The plight of people. The person of God. The city. They don't think about any of those things the way that Christians think anymore. It's a post-Christian nation. They don't have the same language or assumptions that we do as Christians. And what happens then, when you're a post-Christian nation, when you've rejected the truth, you always buy into the lies. And as we saw in the video, every day churches are shutting down and mosques opening in their place. The Methodist churches were once a great movement in London, that started in London, shutting down 100 churches a year over there. There's great lies concerning humanity and sin and religion. And paganism that have gripped the city, so we need to be praying them that the lies would be torn down. Second Corinthians chapter ten says we 've been given weapons that are divinely powerful, literally they have power with God for the tearing down of strongholds. We need to pray that in that pro Christian nation, God would expose lies and reveal truth. We need to realize that the nations are in London. Anybody ever been to London? I'm leaving again in a couple days, and what I know when I go there is that I'm going to see every nation in the world. Isn't that true? It's freaky. Every nation in the world is there. What's cool is God cares about the nations. He's a missionary God who's concerned about the nations, and so as we go to plant this church, we're really planting among the nations. And what we're seeing as there's this post-Christian mindset, and as the nations are gathered there across cultural bounds, we're seeing a hunger for truth in the youth. The youth seem hungry in the city of London. The older generations, I don't know. But but the youth are hungry for spiritual truth. I think anytime you, you have a society that's void of Christian truth, there's going to be a vacuum that creates hunger. And we're seeing that hunger. So we need to pray that those fires would be stoked. Then we need to pray that the churches there would be renewed. I've had the privilege of visiting several churches in London. And generally speaking, the church in London is not in a good state. We need to pray for renewal there. We need to pray for the ministers who are discouraged, heartbroken, many of them, given up on the gospel in the city, and God's heart for the city. We don't believe that God has given up on the city. We need to pray that God's people would be revived, that the churches would be revived. And then we need to pray for new churches to be planted. What we want is saturation church planting in all the urban areas that God has called us to. So we want saturation church planting that God raised up hundreds of brand new works. We're seeing that God is doing that in cities that he's called us to. I've shared with you before that in San Francisco where we're working on a church plant, we know of 15 other church plants happening at the same time right now in that little city. And we've met in our interactions in London all sorts of people that are also involved in planting churches. So the river of God is going forward. There's a fresh move. God is doing something. Jesus is building his church. And we need to pray in accords to that. And what really needs to happen is the re-evangelization of England. It was once evangelized. It's post-Christian now. The re-evangelization. London is a full-blown mission field. God is sending you there today in prayer. So that's the first way that we're going to pray. We'll leave those three points up. I want you to break into little groups, grab each other and start to pray. In a few minutes, I'll come back up and redirect us. But let's go to work, church. Let's do this thing. Let's intercede for that city. I hate to interrupt, but we're going to narrow in a little bit. And we're going to pray specifically now for the team that's going over there. We need to pray just very basically for their travel, right? For their safety. Transporting 100 people to the other side of the world is a gig. So we need to pray for their safety and the stuff goes smoothly. We need, we need to pray for favor getting into the country. This year, a couple Christian groups were turned down and turned away at customs in England because they were going there to do missionary work. And England said, We don't want you here. And they sent them away. It's in England. So we need to pray for favor that our team would get there. And as they're traveling through the city and cabs and trains and subways and walking the streets and all that stuff, that they'd be safe and covered by the Lord. We need to pray for unity for the team. Uh, I've been around the world on trips. I know the first thing the enemy does is attack the unity of the team and get people all persnickety about their little dramas and you know, so-and-so snores too loud and -and so-and-so talks too much and blah, blah, blah. And it could really derail what the Lord wants to do. So we need to pray that the team would be selfless, and unified in the spirit, according to the prayer of Christ in John 17. We need to pray for spiritual insight. We need to ask the Lord that he would give them insight into the spiritual realm and what's going on. Is there in different parts of the cities that the Lord would expose the strongholds that are there? Whatever they might be. What's the root of the spiritual problem? Let's ask Jesus to show it to them so that they can pray strategically. We want them praying with insight on sight. Okay, so, so what's, the, what's the root of it? What's a spiritual issue here? And then that the Lord would give them strategic prayers for that. So we need to be praying for insight and wisdom, discernment and knowledge in the spiritual realm. And then we need to be praying that they would have power in prayer, authority. When Jesus sent his disciples out in Mark chapter 6, he gave them authority to preach the good news. He gave them authority over sickness, authority over demons. And we need to pray that our team would have that same authority in the name and the person and the power of Jesus Christ and that our team would know how to wield it in the spiritual realm over there. That's what prayer does. It's powerful in the spiritual realm. We're given authority to act as ambassadors on behalf of Jesus. So pray that the team would know how to walk in that authority, wield that authority, pray in that authority over in that city, okay? So intercede for our team. They're going to the front lines. They desperately need your prayers. Let's do that. Okay, we're going to just narrow in one last time here and pray specifically now for Reality London, for the church plant starting there. We've got two couples that I want you to be praying for. Mark and Lizzie, that cute couple you saw in the video, they're over there and have been there for about a year, just living and praying and just um, connecting with What God wants to do in London. So I want you to be praying for them. And then the Simus family, which uh, is a family that moved there from Reality Stockton to be worship leaders in the church. They've been there now for a couple months. So I want us to be praying for these couples. One of the things that goes on in London is there's a a palpable oppression in that city. Uh, I've been there. I've experienced it myself. It's a spiritual thing. I have a lot of friends that are ministering in that city. And without exception, they all get depressed. There's, there's a spiritual oppression and a wicked weightiness that is there. And it sets in and it's hard to avoid. And without exception, all of my friends ministering in London get depressed. And they need to leave from time to time and to get ministered to and prayed to for and so on and so forth. So I want us to be praying for that issue. That they would have the joy of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, the covering of the Lord. That they wouldn't give in to the oppression and the depression that is in that city. And that comes against ministers in that city. I want us to be praying for their marriages. Anytime the enemy wants to mess up a work of God, he's going to look for some marriages to mess up. That's for real. I want you to be praying for their marriages desperately. That is a radically sexually charged city. So, we need to be praying that the marriage bed would be undefiled, that the intimacy of those couples would be preserved and blessed, that their communication would be healthy and clear and unfettered by the enemy, that their oneness would be preserved, and that what God has put together, no demon, no city, no ministry could tear asunder. Need to cover their marriages. Need to pray, shield the faith over them from all sorts of attacks of the enemy. Need to pray that Reality London would be a church that's faithful to Jesus. That's what we're looking for. That Reality London would be faithful to Jesus. Need to pray for provision. It's an incredibly expensive city to live in, to do ministry in. We've rented a theater over there. It's a really cool little theater in Notting Hill. It's beautiful. You can go online at the London website and check it out. Uh, Seats 185 people. Right now the church consists of four people. So we're stepping out in faith on that one. But we need provision to continue to be able to do that. You guys as a church are committed to $25,000 a year going directly to London. You've been doing that for the last year. You're going to continue to do that. You're investing $25,000 a year, but that's the minimum. We hope to invest tens of thousands of dollars more. But we need to pray for that provision, okay? And then finally, we just need to pray for that first church service, that it would be everything Jesus wants it to be, nothing more nothing less. And that Jesus would have everybody that he wants there. Amen? Okay, let's pray these things.